I don't want to falsely accuse any of you all. Some of you act tired. And I really don't understand why. You know, last Sunday we got together at 7 o'clock for a sunrise service and he just kind of went on from there. And some of you act more excited last Sunday than you do this Sunday. And you got two extra hours this Sunday as opposed to last Sunday. I was, had some friends growing up, a couple of buddies growing up that were Pentecostal. And I went to a couple of church services with them. And we'd be singing for like 45 minutes an hour. I mean, it was just non, non-stop. And like towards the end, about 45 minutes in, um, they would start running. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, and I'm not trying to be derogatory or make fun of, but it was like some men would step out of the aisles and they would start making laps. And they were not just trotting or jogging or loping. I mean, they were flat out running, and they were running around the entire circle of the compass of the church, and they would run, make three or four laps, and they'd all go back to their seats. And, and I remember after the service going, what in the world was that? And they said, we just got caught up in the spirit. And I thought, no, you all got tired, and you didn't want to fall asleep during the song service, and you decided to wake yourself up. So as we go through this morning, if, uh, if, if you find yourself going, man, I, I'm just dozing off, just stand up and run around. Just just run around. Nobody will take, nobody will think less of the deacons won't attack you unless you get really crazy about it, but just make you a couple of raps, laps inside the church and we'll just understand and we'll just praise the Lord and uh, you can just get it out of your system. But I'm glad you're here this morning and I hope that you have a Bible. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Hopefully when you came in, you got a bulletin. On the back of that, there'll be some notes if you want to use that as we walk through God's Word together this morning. So Joshua chapter 3 was where we're going to be. Thank you, Greg, and those that serve with him as they lead us in worship. I don't know. And that first song was a Matt Boswell song. It was one of the songs that I said, man, I just, I love this song and I am so great, grateful that he was willing to uh, uh, lead us in that this morning. And so thank you, Greg. Thank you for those that take up the offering. Uh, But we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. We were walking through the first few chapters of Joshua together as a church, and then we took a break during the Easter, um, during Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we took a break from that. But we're going to be back in Joshua 3 this morning. And as we were walking through Joshua, really kind of my emphasis has been to show you what success looks like. In this world around us, there are a lot of ideas of what it means to be successful, whether it's in your possessions or whether it's in your money, whether it's in your retirement, whether it's in how you dress or how you perform or your accomplishments in life. A lot of times this world has a whole slew of ideas of what it means to be successful. And even as a church or a body believer, sometimes we can start to think that to be a successful church or to be a successful Christian organization, this is what it has to look like. And this is how it has to be. And yet when we come to God's word, God's word gives us pictures of what it looks like to be successful and how it is that we become successful as followers of Jesus Christ. So the first Sunday we are looking at this out of Joshua, I talked about God's word and God's word being a key to success. Then we looked at the idea of listening and listening to God's word, listening to God's direction, listening to God's guidance. That's another key for success. The last time we were in Joshua, we talked about action, about how to be successful in the eyes of God. You've got to act. You've got to do the thing that God has called us to do. This morning, I want to give you another key to success, what it means, what it looks like, the example that we have from Joshua, and how it is that we become successful as a person and as a believer in Jesus Christ and even as a church, a a body of followers, how it is that we are successful. And the key to success I'm going to give you this morning out of Joshua chapter 3 is 
following. You see there at the top of your notes, following. It's the idea that it matters, and we're going to get to this in a few moments. The idea of following is a key to success because the reality is, and you see this at the top, everyone is following someone. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter where your state is in life. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your, in, your intelligence. It doesn't matter your academics. It doesn't matter your name. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your gender. None of that. Everyone is following someone. And you may say, well, not everyone is following someone. There is someone out there that is not following someone else. No. Everyone is following someone, and if you are the person that is here this morning, that you would push back and you would say, no, no, preacher, I don't follow anyone, then I would tell you, you are following yourself, and therefore, everyone is following someone. The question that I have for you this morning is, who are you following? Who are you following? So here in Joshua chapter 3, I'm just going to remind us of where we are coming into the story at. Joshua has taken over command. Moses has led the people for over 40 years as he brought them out of Egypt during the time of the Exodus, brought them out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai. They received the law from God. He took them to the edge of the promised land. They sent the 12 spies in. 10 of the 12 came back and said, no, we can't do it. The people rebelled and said, nope, we're not going to go in and take the land. So God said, fine, you don't want to do it my way. You're going to wander through the wilderness for the next 40 years. And while you're in the wilderness, the entire generation that rebelled against God is going to die out. I'm going to bring the next generation. They're going to come in. I'm going to give them the promised land. And in the course of all that, Aaron died. Moses died. Everybody died of that generation except for Caleb and Joshua. Now Joshua has, has, has assumed command of the people. God has ordained and commissioned Joshua to take Moses' place. Joshua has brought the people back to the banks of the Jordan River and has told them you are going to go in and conquer the land. But there's just one problem. They don't know how they're going to do it. And they don't know exactly what God has in store. So when we come in here to Joshua chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse (coughs) 7. Excuse me. Starting in verse 7, what we're seeing is Joshua has brought them to the edge of the Jordan. He has told them to make ready because tomorrow God is going to do something amazing. That's something that you cannot even imagine. And they're like, what, what is it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? And he's like, I don't know, but God's going to do it tomorrow. So just hang by, stay tuned. It's going to happen. So when you get to verse 7, it's like when God comes in and says, okay, here's what we are going to do. And you all are so pumped and excited. I am just beyond ecstatic. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Joshua. Now, my understanding of the text, he hadn't told Joshua beforehand. Joshua hadn't got a blueprint. He hadn't got a trailer to be able to see what was going to take place. As God is telling him, Joshua is understanding this for the very first time. And I think that's important when we think about following. Listen to what it says. Verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. So they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come, hear and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Ites, the Its, the Hoots, and the Huts. Verse 11, 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. And you read that, and we're going to go on verse 14 next Sunday, Lord willing. But when you read this, you start to think about listening to what God is telling Joshua and how it is that he expects Joshua, the priest, and the people to follow after him. So this morning, I just want to uh, quickly, I, I, I know I'm always running low, short on time, but this morning, I just want to give you three reminders of what it means to be following. And three reminders that are crucial in our following of God today. And the first one is this, why you follow matters. Why you follow matters. You may say, what does it matter? The why. why. Why is the why so important? Well, if you look back up there in verse 7, we get the why of why. Why, 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 why? Joshua is following God. Look back up there at verse 7. And it said, the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel. So you might think from that very thought, thought that Joshua says, you know what? I'm going to pursue after God. I'm going to follow after God because God is making me somebody special. God is making me somebody important. God is going to lift me up. He's going to exalt me and all the people, and all the people are going to go like, oh, so awesome, Joshua. Oh, you're so wonderful, Joshua. Oh, we can't get enough of you, Joshua. Oh, Joshua. Joshua, 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 Joshua. But that's not what God was doing, right? That's not what God was doing. Notice what he says. It says, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What are you trying to say, Spence? I'm trying to tell you that God is exalting Joshua for God's glory. That is why God is exalting Joshua. It's not for Joshua's glory. It's for God's glory. We live in a day and age that everybody wants to be a celebrity. Everybody wants to be some, something important. Everybody will get on social media. They'll post something, post something on social media and they're just going to sit there and look. How many likes? How many retweets? How many twinkles? How many stars? How many of this have I got? I want to know how many people are paying attention to me. Me, 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 me. And I'm going to tell you, that's the danger of social media. It turns us into a bunch of narcissistic, selfish people. You may not like that idea, but I'm just going to tell you it's the way the direction is going. Because it is geared and centered on you. How cool you are. How popular you are. How many people care about what you think. And if we're not careful, we can turn the church into that as well. We turn the church into a celebrity-driven, entertainment-driven, person-driven, popularity-driven And if you're not careful, we lose the glory of God. What does God tell Joshua there? He says, I'm going to exalt you before all the people. Not because, Joshua, you're such an awesome leader. Not because you're such a charismatic speaker. Not because you're so good looking. Not because you've been faithful. I'm going to exalt you because I want people to see my glory, God's glory. I want people to see my glory in you. That's what he said. So that may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So not only is God exalting Joshua for God's glory, but then why is then Joshua following God? He is following God for God's glory. So the why you follow, the question why you follow, it 
matters. You are following God, not for your glory, not for your blessings, not for what you get out of it. You are following God for the glory of God. We live in a day and age and there are these name and acclaim it. There's these other charlatans, these false teachers out there and they have this idea. Well, you know what? If you come and you serve God, then God is just going to give you everything you want. No! Yes, I can tell you. I, yes, I can see the Old Testament principles. Abraham followed God and God richly blessed him. Jacob followed God. God richly blessed him. Those are the Old Testament pictures. You're not going to find a New Testament picture of somebody that served God and God just gave him everything. Go back to the apostles. Go back to Paul. Go back to the early churches. You saw sacrifice. You saw giving of oneself. You saw dying to oneself to bring glory to the name of God. And yet we are living such a day where people say, I am willing to follow as long as I get what I want. As long as I get what I want in return. I will follow as long as I get something back. And our following to God is not so that God gives us possessions, tangible things, temporal things. Our following to God is for the glory of God. Because before we ever followed God, God gave us his son. God gave us the gift of salvation. God gave us the opportunity of forgiveness. God gave us the gift that we could never earn, that we could never buy, that we could never deserve. He gave us the gift of his son to die on the cross, to take our place so that we might be forgiven of our sins, so that propitiation, that righteousness may be imputed into us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has given us that. So therefore we don't come saying, well, God, I'm going to come to church as long as you give me a good week. That's not the way it works. We come to church for the glory of God. So the why you follow matters. So there in verse 7, God makes it very clear to Joshua. And he makes it very clear to us. This is why you're doing it. Joshua, this is why I'm exalting you for my glory. Joshua, this is why you're following me is for my glory. So then he tells Joshua, <coughs> in verse 8, he says, So and as for you, then command the priest. Now the priests were the intermediaries, the go-betweens, if you will. They were the people that were set apart that were in between God and the people. So if the people uh, knew they had transgressed, they had sinned against God, they had to go to the priest. The priest had to offer the sacrifice. The priest had to tell them how it is, what they had to do, what, what, what is needed to get right before God. So the priest were the, the people in between. But there were very specific instructions given to the priest about how they conduct themselves. They wouldn't get dirty unless it was in the practice of sacrificing. They couldn't the same way. They couldn't talk the same way. They couldn't go to the same things. They, they weren't supposed to defile themselves. They, they weren't supposed to act like the common person. They were supposed to be set apart. They were supposed to be an example. And yet when Joshua comes here in verse 8, he tells him, you who are bearing the Ark of the Covenant, which means carrying it, the ones that are going to carry it, the ones that are going to uh, move it from one place to another, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now I think so many times we listen to that and we go, What's so big about that? You're not a priest. <laughs> and you have not yet fully grasped what it means to be a priest. The priests, they didn't do that kind of stuff. The priests were always clean. The priests were always set apart. The priests never got dirty in that sense or in that idea. So when Joshua says, you carry the Ark of the Covenant and walk down into the river, they're like, ah, no. <laughs> But I think you need to remember this. Good leaders are good followers. Good leaders 
are good followers. Ah. They had never done this before. Probably if they'd taken a poll or they'd taken a vote, probably people would have voted not to do it. It probably wasn't recommended by the fastest growing churches over the last five years. It probably wasn't something that somebody expected. It probably wasn't something that somebody said, eh, we'll try. It wasn't something that the next church down the road was doing or or denomination had recommended. It wasn't the trendy thing to do. It wasn't the popular thing to do. It wasn't the first idea to do. And yet God tells Joshua, Joshua, you tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to go and to stand in the river. Now it's going to tell us later on next week you're going to see the river is flowing out of its banks. It's at flood stage. It's going all over the place. It's not clean. It's not pristine. And yet the priests are being told, you carry the Ark of the Covenant and go down in the river. And you can imagine the priests going, yeah, but what's that going to look like to the people? How is that going to come across to the people? But I want you to remember this. When we think about our lives today, all priests are pointers. And what do you mean by that, Spence? All priests are pointers. What do you mean? They are pointers. They are meant to point to Christ. And any leader that you know of today, that leader is pointing to something. So that's why I say good leaders are good followers because leaders are there to point you to something else. I also put in your notes, all believers are mirrors. All believers are meant to mirror Christ in their life. And so the priests, their whole goal was by their conduct, by their action, by their speech, by their words, by everything about them, they were supposed to not point to themselves, but they were to point to God. So it doesn't matter whether you're a follower or whether you're a leader here this morning. You are pointing to something. What are you pointing to? What is it that that you're pointing to with your life? Can you imagine Joshua coming down and he's looking at these priests and he's saying, All right, guys, this is what God wants you to do. Can you imagine them going, We'd like to have a a, a second opinion. We'd like to take a vote. All those in favor, we need to turn this over to a a special meeting. A a special group needs to discuss this and observe this and consider this. Can you imagine them looking and saying, well, you know what, we just don't know. Are you sure? Because Moses never asked us to do this. You know, the other priests, they wouldn't approve of this. You know, God's word says not to do this. And yet, even though they were meant to be leaders, they were also good followers. And so when they knew that Joshua was following God and that God was speaking through Joshua, when Joshua said, this is what God wants us to do, they said, we're going to do it. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but we get hung up in questions. We tell our boys... And we're not the greatest at it. Please don't think that we got it all figured out. But we tell our boys, quick to obey. Because so many times you look at these boys and you say, I want you to pick up your bedroom. And they're like, why? 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 And and Ezra was going through this stage and everything was, why? 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 So we said, no more of why. Now say, how come? Well, now it's just as bad. How come? How come? How come? How come? I want to know every single single time. Why? 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 How come? How come? How come? How come? But we do that with our daily lives. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to follow me in this. I want you to obey in this. And you and I are going back, sitting back, going, how come? we're just going to stall. We're going to drag our feet until we get a chance to do something different. Good leaders are good followers. And so this second principle, that the second reminder that we have when it comes to following, you're not a good follower of Jesus Christ unless you're following Jesus Christ. And you're never going to be a leader in the kingdom of God unless you're following after Jesus Christ. 
people will come into the church and people will come and they will say, here I am. I want a position of authority. I want a position of notoriety. I want some type of attention or fame or picture for myself. I'm going to tell you the best people that are serving others are the best people that are serving God. And yet we forget in these day and age, sometimes while we're here, we're here not to be served, but to serve others. And we're here not to be seen, but to worship God. We are here not to say, look at me, but to say, look at him. The third reminder that I want to leave you with, and we'll be done this morning, (coughs) is that following requires faith. That following requires faith. I pointed you to there in verse 7 about the why you follow matters. Point you to there in verse 8 when it comes to the priests that good leaders are good followers. But then when you get down there to verse 9 all the way down through the rest of this passage, Joshua is going to turn his attention to the people. And he's going to look at the people and he's going to give them instructions. Now notice Joshua didn't have chapter and verse. God didn't come down and give this message to the people. Joshua is coming out and saying this is what God is telling us we are going to do. Now I'm going to tell you when someone comes and says this is what God tells us we're going to do, it's going to require you to make a decision. Well, do I agree with it? Do I not agree with it? Will I follow it? Will I not follow it? And there are these questions that come up all of the time. So go back and listen to what Joshua says. In verse 9, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And then he goes on to tell them, and this is how you will know that God is giving us this land that God will give us blessings and will defeat all the ites, the oots, the uts, and the hums. All this, this is how you're going to know. Verse 13, when the soles of the free, the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So Joshua comes. He comes to the people and he says, all right, this is how you know that God is giving us the land. The priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant and they're going to go stand in the river. And when they stand in the river, the water is just going to stop. Where's it going to go, Joshua? I don't know. It's just going to stop. What's going to happen to it, Joshua? It's going to stop in a heap. Imagine Deep Fork over here at flood stage and I say, okay, here's what's going to happen. The deacons, they get the offering plates, however much you put in it, they're going to go down the, they're going to go down the deep fork, it's out of its banks, they're going to get it, and the deep fork is just going to stop. You're all going to look at me like, where is it going to go? <laughs> it's apparent when it's out of its bank, there's a lot of fluid moving to it. What's going to happen? And Joshua's looking going, I don't know, I don't know. I can just tell you, God says it's going to stop. God says it's going to stand up in a heap. And can you imagine all the questions that might be coming to the people? Which is why I tell you that following requires faith. You know, they knew where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in the promised land. They wanted to be in the land that God had given them. They wanted to be where God had promised them for the last 40 years, for hundreds of years before that, as they had heard the story from Abram handed down through the generations, that God looking at Abram there in Genesis 13 and saying, look around, all this that you have desired, I am giving to you. Just as they had known this land was waiting for them, they were on one side of the river saying, we know where we want to be. We want to be over there prospering, flourishing, having a good time. And they knew some of the obstacles that were in front of them. Mainly a river that was out of the banks. 
a river they were going to have to cross. They weren't sure how they were going to cross. Even if it's at normal stages, they still got to ford a river, a body of water. And can you imagine the sheep? You start to ford the river with the sheep. What's going to happen to the sheep? Man, and they're going to drown. You try to take your women and try to take your children. You try to take your weaker people. And you start trying to ford this river. All kinds of bad things happen. I remember watching Lonesome Dove. And everybody said it's an amazing, amazing movie. I can't tell you because I never finished it. You know the scene where they start fording the river, they're taking the cattle across, and the young man gets off his horse, and he falls into the ball of the water moccasins. And he comes up screaming for help, and one of those water moccasins bites him on the cheek. Stop. Get the movie out of the house. I don't want to have anything more to do. And I've never seen any more beyond that. That's as far as I've ever seen. Because once that scene, once them trying to ford that river, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Anything that has snakes biting a guy in the water, I'm, I don't need that kind of stuff in my dreams at night. I'm just out. Be gone. Get out of the house, Satan. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But you need, you, you can imagine the people are sitting there and they knew we want to get over there. They knew they had obstacles. One, they have to ford this river. And not only do they have to ford it during normal stages, but now it's in the, in the flood stages. They knew where they wanted to get. They knew that when they got over there, there's going to be all kinds of the ites, the oots, the its, the uts, and they were going to be there and they were going to try to stop them because they were going in to take their land and to take their possessions. And they knew they were going to try to stop them. They knew of the obstacles before them and yet they're looking at Joshua and Joshua's saying, guys, no big deal. Follow the priest. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Just follow the priest. The priests are going to stand in the river. The river's going to stop. We're just going to walk across. God is giving us this land. In other words... They knew where they wanted to be. They knew some of the obstacles before them, but they didn't know how to get to their goal. And I think it's more than just a Bible story. I think it's a reflection of where many of us are at in our lives today. We know where we want to be. We know some of the hindrances and obstacles that are in front of us to get to where we want to be. But even more than that, many times we just don't know how to get to where we want to go. So what do we do? We start buying books. We start listening to podcasts. We start listening to other people tell us how they got to where we want to get. We start listening to all these other people in our lives. And instead of stopping and saying, God, how is it that I get to where you want me to go? How is it that I get to where you have me to be? May I tell you that if God has it in in your life that he wants you to get from point A to point B, then God has a way for you to get from point A to point B. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to create it. You don't have to identify it. You don't have to start something new. You just have to follow God's plan. Problem is that so many times we're going from point A to point B and we don't like God's route. We don't like God's direction so we start trying to make our own and then we get turned around here and we get turned around over there and the next thing we find ourselves over there and next thing you know we make this big old long family circus type trip when we're trying to get to point B because we never followed God's plan. That's why I tell you that following requires faith because Joshua comes to the people and says this is how we're going to get from point A to point B. We're going to cross the river because God's going to provide a way. And then we're going to go in and we're going to take control of the people because God is providing a way. So what happens is, is the people are sitting there in verse 13. And it's like, the, it's like if you, we're going to stop right there because it's as if the people are left with thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to follow? 
I submit to you this morning that following is a choice. But choosing to follow isn't. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. In your daily life, you are giving multiple options of things that you can follow. You can follow God. You can follow popular opinion. You can follow the gods of social media. You can follow the people at your your workplace. You can follow your friends. You can follow your families. You can follow yourself. You can follow your heart. You can follow what you believe is true. You can follow all of those things. You have a choice on what it is that you follow. But you're going to follow something. So even though that following is a choice that you get to choose what to follow, the fact that you are following something that you or will choose to follow something is not a choice because you... Everyone is following someone. Or everyone is following something. So as they're coming <coughs> at the end of verse 13, the people then have a decision. Are we going to follow what Joshua said we're going to do? Or are we going to pull back and talk about it? Are we going to move forward and just trust by faith that if God tells us, then God will provide that God has this figured out? Or are we going to stop and start second guessing, start doubting, and start questioning the goodness of God? I wonder if some of you in this room this morning, God has already told you what He wants you to do. He's already given you direction on how it is that He has you to go. But you are stuck in this perpetual state of questioning. Doubting. Well, I'm not so sure. I just don't know if this is from God. I, I just don't know how people respond. What will the people around me think? How will people react? Oh, this is going to be a difficult decision. I don't want to make this decision. This decision is going to cost me something. This might be sacrificial. You have a thousand and one reasons why you're not going to follow after God. And God is sitting here telling you this morning, Following is a choice, but choosing to follow isn't. Sometimes we have to recognize that following requires faith. Faith to believe that even though I don't understand, God does. Even though I can't see into the future, God does. Even though I don't understand what's going to be after point B, God does. Even though I don't understand exactly how God is going to do it or why God is going to get glory or what is God's intentions and what he is leading me to do, God does. And that is enough for me. So how do we know if we are finding success in our following of God with our lives today? Well, I put down there in your notes just a few different ways that we can seek success. First of all is the question, are you following for his glory or your blessings? Are you following for his glory or your blessings? I have actually heard a person say before when they had a hard time or they had some type of unfortunate event during the week, I don't know why God is doing this to me. I went to church last week and I want to look at him and go, what do you think that is? Some type of Chuck E. Cheese token? You get some special treat because you got the token at the skee-ball game? I mean, I don't know what it is. So you came to church, but now you're having some type of an unfortunate event happen. That is called life. But you know what? You may not know if it's every time you come to church or not. So maybe you should come to church the next time and see if something else happens. Maybe you should try to prove that hypothesis out. The same question can be had for you here this morning. Are you following him for his glory or your blessings? But then there's another statement that I want to make to you that I believe that we see out of this passage this morning and it is that you reflect whom you follow. You reflect whom you follow. 
Chicago. We took the teenagers paintballing yesterday, a group from Trinity, a group from here at First Baptist. We all went together and we made our ways over there to Guthrie. And it's amazing. Everything you see has its little groupies. I don't mean that negative, but there were people that would come up and they had a couple of these carports with a bunch of picnic tables in there. And that's kind of like where you got geared up and you got ready to go. And then you go through an entrance and you go down the different fields and play paintball. So, so I, was, I was sitting out there and you would see these guys come up and they had paintball pants and a paintball shirt. I didn't know they made just that specific thing. And then they had cleats on. <laughs> I thought, it's flying 270 feet per second. I don't know what, I mean, at least for me, cleats ain't going to make that big of a difference. But they had a specific type of shirt. It had the branding all over it. Had specific types of pants. Had the branding all over They showed up with the backpack and he opened his backpack up and he started pulling these cases out. And in this case, had these special goggles. Oh. And then he, pulled out a, then he pulled out a bottle. And then he pulled out, they don't call it a gun, it's called a marker. He pulled out the marker. And then he pulled out the barrel for the marker. And he's threading that thing in looking like somebody's getting ready to get painted. And then he pulls out the hopper holder. And then he pulls out the hopper. And then he, then he pulls out this bandana. And then he pulls out these gloves. And he's putting these gloves on his hand. These things on his elbow. And I'm like, man, the guy's got $10,000 in paintball stuff to just go out there and play G.I. Joe. I mean, it's just, it's amazing and you know, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, he resembles, he reflects what he follows. And because he is big into paintballs, and because he is passionate about paintballs, because he loves going out and playing paintball, he reflects what he follows. And in your life, you reflect what you follow. So then this last one will be done. Your actions follow your faith. Your actions follow your faith. If I was to ask the room this morning and say, well, who all is a follower of Jesus Christ? The majority of you would raise your hand and say, oh, I, I follow. But then I would ask the question of how is it that you are following? Are you following out of your convenience? Are you following out of your margin? Are you following out of the abundance of the time that you have? Are you following out of your good feelings? Are you following out of people making you happy and making you feel wanted? Or are you following out of your faith in God? Your actions follow your faith. So if you have faith in God, then you will follow God. If you have more faith in yourself, then you will follow yourself. If you have more faith in the opinion of those around you, you will follow the opinion of those around you. Your actions follow your faith. So I come back to where we started at this morning and just ask you, what are you following? What are you following? Would you bow your heads with me?